everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. We are so glad you are here with us today. Come on, wherever you're at today, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching, listening online, somewhere in the world. Come on, let's give it up for each other. We are one church, multiple campuses, thousands of locations, and it is so good to start gathering back together. This is our second weekend back at campuses, and wherever you are, we are glad you're here. Maybe this is your second week back, first time here, or maybe you're online somewhere in the world, and if that's you, we would just say, man, you come back if you live in the area whenever you feel comfortable. And if you live beyond the area or you don't feel comfortable, we believe that having people back in the room is going to make the online experience even better for you as we go on the journey. You are a part of this family wherever you are in the world and we welcome you because hope is here. Everyone is welcome and Jesus changes everything. And so this is a great weekend. We're adding service times to keep creating more space and we're just kind of slowly moving forward. So we're going to go at the pace of safety and at the pace of culture. We're going to keep doing everything in a safe and, and honoring way. And then we're going to go at the pace of culture. You see, if you engaged with us last week, I told you that culture is the most important thing for us in this season. After seven months of not being together, we've got to remember and remind each other of the culture that we have. That culture, it's our DNA. It's our identity. It's, it's who we are. It's our shared set of values and beliefs and behaviors. It's everything you really like about this church. And so I kind of want to just challenge you and say every time you engage, whether online or at a campus, what's one thing you can do to contribute to culture? Every time we're together, what's one way you can contribute to culture? You say, what does that mean? Well, our culture is to worship. So maybe by nature you don't like to worship, but that would be contributing to the culture. Or our culture is to engage. Maybe you don't like to raise your voice and speak back, whether you're at home or in a canvas. But our culture is to engage. So maybe you do that to create culture. Our culture is kindness. So maybe you just become kind to somebody around here. Maybe it's somebody you don't even like. That's okay. That's our culture. Our culture is unity and inviting people and going on mission and when you start creating culture, you really then become a part of the church. The church of Jesus was never a place to come and consume. It's a family on mission, and you actually have a responsibility to give that which you have received. And you've received some great culture. So come on, let's create it together in Jesus' name. Because when people come, they don't come into a building or to a screen. They come into a people. They come into a culture and they come into a family. So we're going to be talking a lot about culture in the weeks to come. But today we're starting a new series called The Heart of a King. I'm really excited about this series. I think it's prophetic. I think it's timely. I think if you look at where the world is and where we are, this is going to be a really significant series. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks we're going to take a look at the life of King David. And so I want to invite you to join us on our reading plan, a chapter a day, as we go through First and Second Samuel together. And my hope in this series is that somewhere along the way that you will be inspired and challenged. I'm going to tell you it right up front. My hope is to inspire you and to challenge you because if we're honest, we live uninspired and under-challenged lives. 
And I don't know if you know this or not, but you were created to live with the heart of a king. Dads, I want to see you lead your family with the heart of a king. Moms, I want to see you raise your children with the heart of a king. Business people, I want to see you go to work every day with the heart of a king. Students, I want to see you go to school every day with the heart of a king. Hope carriers, I want to see you go out into the world with the heart of a king. You were created to live with the heart of a king. With a heart of royalty and nobility. Virtue, a sense of destiny and humility and servanthood and identity and security. And I know maybe nobody in your life has told you that, but it's time to stop living down to the world and up to the kingdom of God. It's time to have an awakening and a bigger picture sense of this life that God has called me to live. The heart of a king. Let me give you some verses here to just kind of get it started. I love what Paul says. He says, I urge you. In other words, I'm trying to inspire and challenge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy. You say, live a life worthy of what? Worthy of the fact of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Worthy of the fact that you're no longer a part of this world, but you're now a part of the kingdom of God. He says, come on, I'm trying to call you up to a worthy life of who you have and what you have in Jesus' name. And I think the problem for so many of us is we look around at the world around us and we think, well, I'm doing better than them. Okay, but since when has the world become your standard? Come on, they're not your standard. And if you let the world be your standard, they will also become your limitation. The world is not your standard nor your limitation. The kingdom of God is your standard and it's your invitation to live a life worthy, up, bigger, to have an awakening. So come on, let me build your faith with some of these next verses. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Says that in Jesus, we're no longer a part of the world. We've been brought into a, say it with me, kingdom, kingdom. You're a part of a kingdom. And we've spent years around here talking about living as beloved sons and daughters, that you have a good father. Okay. Do you know who your father is? He is the king of the kingdom. And if your father is the king of the kingdom, then guess what? That means you are a part of the royal family. Royalty is in your DNA. The heart of a king is in your destiny. Why? Because the king of the kingdom is your father. You're not just a citizen of the kingdom. You're literally a part of the royal family. Or how about this next one? That says, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The words reign in life literally mean to be a king. Literally mean to be empowered with authority and influence. To rule and reign with God over an area of life. And you have been given the heart of a king not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Those who receive, those who literally receive the grace of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, not through effort, but through his work and our hearts, have literally been given the heart of a king. In other words, when you allow God to become the king of your heart, he gives you the heart of a king. 
When you allow God to become the king of your heart, he literally gives you the heart of a king. He takes the heart of a rebel, the heart of a Pharisee, the heart of a slave, and the heart of an orphan, which we all start with, and he gives us the heart of a king to rule and reign with him with purpose and authority and influence. One more to try to build your faith, because I know some of you aren't convinced yet. For you, talking about Jesus, have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us, say it with me, kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Because of the finished work of Jesus, because of the royal blood of the king, he has adopted you, brought you into his family, and literally declares that you are now kings and priests, that you are empowered to rule and reign with him. In Jesus' name, you've been given the heart of a king. You've been given the heart of a king. And empowered to live a royal life. The problem is, is nobody's ever really told us that. We're not really so sure we believe that. And, and we probably don't live like that. And our definitions, our perspectives of royalty and kingship, they're not very good. Like when we think of a king or we think of royalty, we probably think of like formal, maybe a little stuffy, maybe a little bit elite and kind of better than and selfish, kind of like the king in Hamilton, if you know what I'm talking about. Like... Like, we don't have a good picture of what that looks like. But that's not the definition of royalty in the heart of a king. No, no. Royalty and kingship is righteousness. It's holiness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's faith, hope, and love. It's a sense of destiny. It's a sense of identity. It's a sense of security. It's the sense of, of freedom and forgiveness. If you think of the heart of a king, the heart of a king is not there to be blessed and to be served. No, no, no. The heart of a king is there to bless and to serve his people. To create an environment and an atmosphere where everyone under his authority and his rule and reign can be empowered to rise up, to live a better life. A king protects, a king honors, a king blesses, a king lives for the good of others and the glory of God. And so knowing that you're royal doesn't make you selfish, it makes you selfless. Because you start understanding that the heart of a king is very different than what I've seen and experienced. In fact, think about it with me like this. Like, have you ever seen a student get up in the lunchroom and go across the cafeteria to go sit with a lonely student who's been sitting by themselves? Yeah, that's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen somebody just speak words of life over somebody else in a public forum? Not because they had to, but because they wanted to. It's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen somebody forgive somebody who offended them? It's the heart of a king. Have you ever seen somebody serve in the background with no need for any appreciation, celebration, validation, or compensation? It's the heart of a king. See, we have the wrong definition of what the heart of a king looks like. In fact, Jesus is the perfect definition of what royalty and the heart of a king looks like. But when Jesus came to this earth, you got to remember, what did he come to do? He came to show us the heart of his father. And his father is the king of all creation. So Jesus came to show us 
the way he lived and moved and talked and acted. That's the heart of a king. That's the heart of royalty. In fact, Jesus' main message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His only message was, hey, change your mind because there's a new reality here. It's no longer about the world and darkness. It's now about this kingdom that I've brought and I want to teach you how to live within it with a heart of royalty as a part of the royal family with the heart of a king. And if you can catch this, that means that every command, every decree, every way, every path, every time Jesus asks you to obey, what he's really saying to you is this is how a king would live. When he says, hey, you should forgive that person, it's not because he's trying to make you religious. He's trying to say, this is what royalty looks like. When he says, hey, you, you should go ahead and give something over here, it, it's not because he's trying to take something away from you. He's trying to say, hey, this is how the heart of a king would function. Every command that Jesus gives you is literally an invitation to say, this is what the heart of a king looks like. So what do you want to do with it? For three years, Jesus took 12 men and he taught them not only how to live as sons, he taught them how to have the heart of a king. And if we're supposed to be shaped and molded and formed into the image and likeness of Jesus and he has the heart of a king, then we're on this journey of having our hearts shaped and molded into the image and likeness of the heart of a king because a student will become like his master. And we all start with a heart of a rebel. I'm in it for me. We start with a heart of a slave in bondage to the things of this world. We start with the heart of an orphan full of fear and performance and the heart of a Pharisee, which is focused on the external and judging everyone else. But God wants to give us the heart of a king. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you look around, the world is not very happy right now. And the last thing the world needs is us to tell them how bad they are and how much they need to change. No, no, no. The world needs us to show up at work tomorrow with the heart of a king. The world needs us to raise our family tomorrow with the heart of a king. The world needs us to go to school tomorrow with the heart of a king. The world needs us to do our politics with the heart of a king. If you didn't like that one, you're going to like this one even less. The world needs us to engage on social media with the heart of a king. They don't need us to tell them how bad they are. They need us to demonstrate for them what the heart of the king looks like. And it's all about the heart. See, check this, Proverbs 4, 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. See, it's all about the heart. All of it. Royalty, kingship, this series, your life. It's all about the heart. Come on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your Because it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. He says, above all else, more than anything else in your entire life, guard, protect, steward, keep watch over. Make sure it stays healthy, your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. In other words, your internal realities will always become your external realities. The kingdom in here will become the kingdom out here. The condition of your heart will always, hear me, always determine the quality of your life. And so if you'll think with me for a moment about a heart, and your heart is a wellspring of life, 
Think about different streams or rivers flowing out of it. Flowing from your heart is your stream of finances, your stream of your marriage, stream of parenting, stream of school, stream of relationships, activities, uh, 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 all the things that you're passionate about. They all flow out of your heart. So whatever is in your heart flows downstream whether you want it to or not. So if rebellion and orphan thinking and a Pharisee attitude is in here, it's going to flow into finances and your marriage and school and everywhere else. But if royalty and nobility and character and destiny, then those are the things that are flowing into your finances and into your ministry and into your family and into the world around you. Above all else, guard your heart. Because every other area in your life is directly impacted by it. And this is where we pick up David. You see, what's amazing about King David is, is, is David is known as the man after God's own heart. And when we pick up the story of David, Saul, the former king, had the heart of a rebel, the heart of an orphan. So God rejected him. And he tells Samuel, the prophet, Samuel, I need you to go to Jesse's house. And Jesse's got some sons, and I need you to get them sons together, and I'm going to show you who the new king is going to be. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse, the father, he gets seven of his eight boys, and he brings them to Samuel. And he, and he literally goes through all seven, and, and Samuel looks at Jesse, and he says, not a one of these is going to be the king. You got any other boys? Because God told me to come, and this ain't them. And Jesse says, oh yeah, there's the last one, but he's not, you don't want him. He's out in the field, out with the sheep. <laughs> the one no one wanted is the one God was looking for. Because catch this verse. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him to be leader of his people. Catch this. David had the heart of a king before he was appointed to be king. God was looking for a man after his own heart. If God is the king, then his heart is the heart of a king. And if he looked for a man after his own heart, then he was looking for a man who already had the heart of a king, even though he wasn't appointed king. You see, while David's brothers were trying to be commissioned as king, David was out in the field cultivating the heart of a king. David wasn't worried about promotion. He was worried about servanthood. And while he was tending the sheep, he was actually tending his heart and preparing it and getting it ready to be the heart of a king. And that's why this famous verse, this next verse, talking about this scenario, this is what God says. He says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, God doesn't care about all this out here. What he cares about is what's going on in here. Because he knows what's ever in here is going to impact everything else out here. And we spend so much of our life, if we're honest, trying to do all this out here. Look good, act good, you know, dress good, fame, status, followers, fortune, all this stuff out here. Do you ever wonder why we do that? Because you and me, we both know we do that. Do you know why we do that? Because you were actually created to rule and reign. You were actually created for a life of purpose and destiny. You were actually created for a life that's much bigger than what you're currently living. You're just not supposed to do it through your own effort and performance. You're supposed to do it through the grace of God that takes place in your heart. The very fact that we pursue that thing tells us that we were created for it. We just got to make sure we take God's path on how to get there. And what I think is so cool is David was just chill, man. He's just working on his heart. He's like, you know what? God, God can find me if he wants me. Can I just tell you something? 
You don't need to be worried about promoting yourself. You should be worried about the condition of your heart. Because if you get your heart right, everything else in your life is going to start to be blessed. Did you ever hear that saying that says, don't get promoted beyond the competency of your hands? Yeah. The real thing is don't get promoted beyond the character of your heart. Don't get put in a position that requires the heart of a king when you still have the heart of a rebel or the heart of an orphan. Because it will damage you and everybody else. And this is why I love David got this. Like, look at what he says in this next verse. He says, God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. In other words, God, you don't care about the external. You care about in here. So David tended this. He stewarded. He kept it soft and humble and, and aligned and in agreement with God. And so what does it look like for you and me? To start cultivating within here the heart of a king. So we don't live with the heart of a Pharisee, a rebel, an orphan, or a slave. Let me give you a couple quick thoughts. You still with me on this? This is really significant in your life. And I know it's going to require some thinking and some faith. But if you can grab this, it can change everything. First thing is this. You just got to remember who you are. I would suggest to you that in this season, I think a lot of us have probably forgot who we are. The storm that's come, the battle that's raged, the disappointments. I think we've probably forgot like, who we actually are. And what I love about David is if you'll read through the story, you'll discover that he never forgot who he was. He knew. He was a guy, after, uh, a man after God's own heart. He knew he had the heart of a king. It didn't matter what everybody else said. It didn't matter if they rejected him, if they liked him, if they empowered him, if they believed in him. He knew who he was so no one could tell him who he wasn't. And what's incredible to me about David is he had the heart of a king before God ever called him king. How? Because David knew in Exodus 19, generations before David was alive, that God spoke over the people and said, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests. So David is the only person alive in his nation who is holding on to a promise and a declaration of God from generations earlier, telling them who they were, and he wouldn't allow anyone else to steal it from him. He says, I know who God told me that I am. I don't care what you have to say. Come on, let me tell you who you are. Go to the next verse for me. But you are a chosen people, a, say it with me, royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people belonging to God. Come on, you. You've been chosen. You're royal. I'm going to keep showing you this a thousand times until we start to believe it. You are royalty in Jesus' name. You are holy and you belong to God because of what Jesus has done. Come on. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. You've been given a new identity or the righteousness of God in Christ. Peter says you are literally now a part of the divine nature. If you have divine nature, the divine nature is that of kingdom and the heart of a king. He says, consider yourself dead to sin. Why? Because Jesus died and rose again from the grave. You've been included in Christ. Everything that's true of him is true of you. And if he's royalty and he's dead to sin but made alive to God in Christ Jesus, and so, so are you. But it takes faith to believe that, doesn't it? It takes faith to believe that you are who God says you are regardless of how you feel. It takes faith to believe that you are who God says you are, when you're aware of how you're currently living. 
Because we take our behavior and we apply that to our identity instead of God's declaration for who we now are. This is why Luke 17, Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is within you. Catch this. The kingdom is within you. If the kingdom is within you, then royalty is supposed to flow out of you. If the kingdom is in you, then the heart of a king is already in here. I just have to choose to agree and align with it and let it flow. I mean, if the kingdom is within, what, what other conclusion can you draw from this verse? That royalty is supposed to flow out of you. So here's my question for you. Are you living a royal life? Are your words and your thoughts and your attitudes and your actions and your behaviors and where you go and what you do, is it royal? Is it a part of the kingdom? And if not, track it back because you probably have just forgotten who you are. If there's a lack of royalty downstream in finances and in family and your job and in school, and all, just track it back up because identity determines behavior. Who you are determines what you do. And if you forgot that you're royal, you won't live a royal life. But when you remember God has given you the heart of a king, you rise up to start living like a king in all those areas of your life. Come on, you've been set apart by grace for the good of others and the glory of God. Don't forget who you are. Second thing that I want to tell you is this. Steward your heart. No, thank you. Steward your heart. We're all learning how to do church again together. Steward your heart. Maybe what David did better than any of us was he stewarded his heart. He was so careful of what he allowed in it, of what he looked at, of what he listened to, of who he let speak into his life, of who he surrounded himself with. He was so careful of when something got in there that wasn't supposed to be there to uproot it quickly and get it out of there. Like David stewarded his heart. And he not only protected it from bad, he made sure he invested within it the good. Again, look at it. This is kind of the theme verse for this whole thing. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else. More than anything else in your life, guard, protect, steward, invest in, oversee, make sure your heart is healthy. See, I would bet that there are a whole lot of things in your life that you guard. Things that you protect and steward. Maybe you're really good at stewarding your finances. Maybe you're really good at protecting your family. Maybe you steward your reputation or your social media account. Maybe you steward your home or your possessions or your activity or that. I would bet there's some things that you are pretty amazing at protecting and stewarding. And he says even more than the energy and the effort that you put into that, make sure you steward your heart. Why? Because whatever is in here is going to flow out into every other stream in your entire life. And you only steward things you value. Like I bet as you've gone through life, there's been different things you value. Like I can remember being a kid and like stewarding my G.I. Joes. Like those were very important to me. You know, sis, do not touch them. And then I grew a little bit, and then it was my football cards, and I was like stewarded my, I protected and guard those things. Like, if you touch my Terry Bradshaw rookie, we gonna have some problems, mom. And then I got a little older, and then I got a truck, and my first truck is like, I'm gonna protect and steward, right? We learn to steward and protect and value things that we love. 
and things that we value. So the really pointed question is, is how are you doing stewarding your heart? What you looking at? Because Jesus says the eyes are the gateway to the heart. What you listening to? Because don't fool yourself and think that that's not getting in there. Who are you letting speak in your life? And who are you hanging around with? What, where are you going and what activities are you a part of? Like, like how are you stewarding your heart? How are you guarding it? How are you, like, are you like very, like when something gets in there that's not supposed to be in there, do you just ignore it and let it go? Or do you quickly deal with it because you say, I don't want that ungodly thing to get rooted in there. I got to get it out. Come on, don't kid yourself to think that you can consume the things of this world and still have the character of the kingdom. You become what you behold. Whatever you're putting in, it's, it's, it's in here. And so let me just go ahead and push a little bit, okay? I'm going to push a little bit of chat. Ready? Say push. Say, say push. Okay, ready? This is why pornography is such a big deal. This is why bad friends are such a big deal. This is why consuming the worldly news and worldly social media streams is such a big deal. Why? Because all that death, darkness, and destruction gets in here and it comes out in every other stream of your life. And I know some of you are sitting here, you're thinking, what on earth does pornography have to do with my finances? Everything. Because it gets in your heart and that death flows down the stream of your finances. And some of you are sitting here and thinking, what does my social media have to do with raising my kids? Everything. Because what you're putting in here is flowing down that stream into the hearts and lives of your kids. So how you doing? Guard in your heart. It really matters. There are some things that do not belong in the heart of a king. The problem is, is you only steward what you value. And if we're honest, we don't really value our hearts. That's what God tells us. We look at the outward. We're so much more interested in stewarding our looks and our followers and our finances and our jobs. There are so many, there are so many things in your life you would do so differently if you believed that your heart was the most valuable thing you had. The problem is, is we, we don't believe that. Why? Well, Jeremiah tells us this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? <laughs> That's a pretty depressing verse, don't you think? <laughs> and this is what we think. This is what we believe. We're like, hey, the heart's deceitful beyond all things. It's wicked. There's no cure. No one can understand it or even get it. So why even bother? Okay, hear me. This is no longer your heart in Jesus. This is the heart you're born with. You are not born with the heart of a king, my friends. You are born with the heart of a rebel, the heart of an orphan, the heart of a Pharisee, and the heart of a slave. But in Jesus' name, that's not who you are anymore. Go to the next verse. Look at what it says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your rebellious, orphaned, enslaved, pharisaical heart and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. He says, come on. I've removed that heart. When this hard spear was put into Jesus' soft heart on the cross, your hard heart became soft. Your rebellious, orphaned, pharisaical, enslaved heart was set free and it became the heart of a king in Jesus' name. But until you get this and believe this, you will never steward your heart as the treasure that it is. Your heart, hear me, above all else, so don't hear me, Hear the king. Above all else, even more than you put it into your kids 
and your finances and your work and your house and your security systems and your custom passwords into your phone. You need to have custom passwords of what gets in your heart. Facial recognition of only people that are life-giving. Thumbprints. Thumbprints of things that say, does this align with my DNA and my destiny? Passcodes that darkness can't figure out how to break into, but are entrusted to the right people. Come on, you hear me on this? This matters. This matters. Steward your heart. And the last thing is this, real quick. Live a life of obedience. Live a life of obedience. Check this verse out about King David. I think this is fascinating. Go to the next one, please. Go to the next verse, please. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. A man after my own heart, which means... God is a king. He has the heart of a king. David is a man after his heart. So David has the heart of a king. Why? Because he will do everything I want him to do. Obedience is the heart of a king. What David understood was, it doesn't matter what he asked me to do. If I understand it, if I like it, if I get it, to go left when I want to go right, whatever it is, I'm going to do whatever he asks me to do because he is the king. I'm just a king. He's the king and I'm under him. And so everything that's been placed under me, I want to make sure it's in alignment and agreement with him because he's the king. And everything he wants to set in motion is meant to be set in motion in the places that I steward, like my phone and my finances and my family and my job and my school, all those things. I'm a, I'm a king. I've been empowered to rule and reign with authority and influence. But guess what? I don't have the heart of a rebel to do it how I want to do it. No, no, no. I'm going to live in obedience to what he wants to see done in those areas of my life. That's the heart of a king. And this is mind-blowing to me. If you can catch this, I don't have a ton of time for this, but it says, David, son of Jesse. In other words, you have to have the spirit of a son before you'll ever have the heart of a king. How would Jesus be defined? Jesus, son of God, with the heart of a king. You have to have the spirit of sonship before you will have the heart of a king. You have to be a son before you'll be a king. You have to be under before you can be over. You have to receive before you can give, and you have to know that you are loved before you can lead. You have to have the spirit of a son before you'll ever have the heart of a king. And David had that. And that's what we've been teaching in this church for years. And so I'm believing it's time for breakthrough, going to new levels from sonship to this heart of the king. Because it propels you and it moves you forward. In fact, look at this next verse. I love this. Here's what David says. I have determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. Come on. That's the heart of a king. You want to know what heart? That's the heart of a king. Heart of a king. I'm going to obey. I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. I'm going to obey. I don't care what he's going to ask me to do. I'm going to obey. It doesn't matter what he asks me to do. Why? Because he is the king. I'm a king. And what obedience does is it drives pride out of your heart. It drives rebellion out of your heart. It drives orphan thinking out of your heart. It drives the spirit of a Pharisee right out of your heart. It can't stand under obedience. 
And if you remember in the beginning of this, I told you that every command that Jesus gives us is teaching us what the heart of a king, what royalty would do. So when Jesus says, hey, I want you to forgive that person, what he's really saying is a king would forgive. What are you going to do? When he says, I want you to trust me with your finances and give, what he's really saying is he's saying a king would give right now. What are you going to do? When he says, I want you to serve somebody and take a step out of your own comfort zone, what he's saying is a king right now would serve. What are you going to do? When he says, take that next step that you don't want to take, he's saying a king would trust me and take that next step. What are you going to do? And it's in those moments you get the choice. Heart of a rebel, heart of a king. May you choose to be the one that says, I'm more interested in having a heart of a king in a rebellious world than I am about understanding comfort or convenience. See, I would bet in this season that your heart has gotten damaged. Storm has come in like maybe no other storm you've been in your life. Damage and pain and brokenness and doubt and ungodly beliefs. And then we've numbed ourselves for so long and we've put so much stuff through our eye gate and our ear gates into our heart. And so much stuff has gotten built up in that spring that the rivers of some of our hearts, they're, they're muddy and they're, they're, they're dirty and they're dark and they're, they're impacting all the other areas of our lives. And so my question just for you as we wrap this up is just, how's your heart? Like, really? How's your heart and what are you going to do about it? Because it's the wellspring of life. This is why David, the guy who has a heart of a king, last verse, he just says, search me, God, and know my heart. Because I'm not even sure I always know what's going on inside my own heart. Test me, God, and know if there's anxious thoughts, any toxic things in the spring that are flowing down the rivers and all the things that I love and matter to me. See if there is any offensive way, any contagion or contaminant that's in me. Pull it out, God, and show me the way of the heart of a king. See, I don't know about you, but I want to live my life with the heart of a king. I want to love my wife with the heart of a king. I want to raise my kids with the heart of a king. I want to engage my friends with the heart of a king. I want to contribute to this church with the heart of a king. I want to live on mission with the heart of a king. What do you want to do with the heart of a king? Because when Jesus becomes the king of your heart, he'll give you the heart of a king. And it's time to awaken and arise to a bigger destiny and reality in your life and mine because of Jesus. So close your eyes. And let me just ask you, come on, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's God speaking into your heart What's he calling out? What's he calling up? What's he calling forward? Come on, today can be the beginning of springs of living water cleansing that wellspring of life within you. 
today can be the day that you invite Jesus to be the king of your heart. To just say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Please take this rebellious, orphaned, enslaved, and religious heart. Heal it. Transform it. Make it new and whole and fresh. And give me the spirit of a son and the heart of a king. Come on, sometimes you just got to look downstream at the things you love. And say, I love my kids, or I love my family, or I love my parents, or I love my future, or I love my calling and my talents and my job. I love those things enough to not let contagions flow downstream. So chase it back up river. Where is your heart? Need to be aligned and in agreement with the king and his kingdom. That you might live a life of royalty and virtue and nobility. Not through effort and performance, but through his grace and through his power. So Jesus, I just speak over us today. That you would continue to shape and mold us into men and women after your own heart. That you would put within us the heart of a king and teach us to submit and surrender to that reality. God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Give us a bigger perspective and show us how to guard our heart that royalty may flow into all the areas of our life. I speak healing wholeness, redemption over your heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.